to Dignified Conversations, a podcast offering information, education, and encouragement for anyone involved in the process of caring for loved ones. Whether you're caring for an individual with a disability, or if you care for someone who is recovering from an accident or injury, or if you care for an older person, Dignified Conversations discusses topics with honesty and dignity. For more information on each episode, jump on over to our Facebook page at Dignified Home Care Australia and join the conversation. Today, we're going to actually dive into um, the emotional side of caregiving. And the idea of these conversations is that we're going to, I suppose, just get real, just share what we know and um, and what we don't know, we can question and investigate it together to be a support to those who need it most. And so without further ado, I'd like to introduce our first guest today, Amanda Ashton. Amanda, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Let's just get in there and and address this thing that can often be swept under the under the rug. Yeah. Um, and can almost be the, the too hard basket, ah, the emotions that are coming up. So, yeah. um, you know, caregiving isn't for the faint-hearted and some people who are within this group will be personally caregiving for a loved one, yeah. uh, caregivers to, um, to people in their family, within their own home, uh, and then others will be doing this as, as, a, as a profession. Yeah. And really, either way, at some point, the emotions are a part of it. Absolutely. It's something that I, I, look, I'm personally, I believe that you just can't outrun your emotions. You either clean as you go, Mm -hmm. or you've got a big room full of unresolved stuff that you eventually have got to go through. Mm -hmm. And caregiving is a really a big passion of mine because for for a number of reasons, I think that, I think it takes a really special human to care for other people. Mm -hmm. And it's a really beautiful, often thankless task absolutely and um and so much of the time the focus is on caring for the other person and the practical needs and all of that sort of thing that it's easy for the emotional side easier for the emotional side to be ignored but I think that's where we run into problems and it's something that I want to see change and I want to see people that are in these roles whether it's a profession they've chosen or they're caring for a loved one where somebody that they love has become sick or is you know aged or whatever the scenario is that they're getting taken care of as well because it's just so important and some people will come in with with no warning whatsoever an emergency and so the emotions are already uh, up in the air uh, or it is something that's progressive and, uh, you know, what's the, what's the analogy of the frog in the water um, yeah. you know, as the water With gets the hot? Royal? It, they yeah. don't know. They don't notice it because it's, it, the, the situation's getting hotter. It's getting more difficult and, uh, and we can neglect those, uh, those needs, the emotional that's needs. Insane. I know that was something that I went through myself. My father had a stroke nearly 20 years ago, um, was perfectly fit and healthy, young, and, you know, and, and lost a third of his brain from a stroke and life changed overnight for everybody. And it was huge. And I was at that stage, I wasn't working uh, in human behaviour and my default mode was to just do the things that needed to be done to make sure everybody else was okay. And when he was out of rehab and out of hospital and all of that sort of stuff and we got him settled into life and everyone adjusted a little bit was when all my stuff came up to, to deal with of, the grief and the anger and the sadness and the frustration and it, you know there's so much around it that I um 
I feel really passionately and it does happen often for people just in an instant I can relate in that when my little boy uh, my baby was five months old and I fell over with him yeah fractured the side of his head and it severed his brain so we nearly Mm. lost him and it wasn't till six months later after we got past that now we had this um you know this this trauma occur but within yeah. a couple of weeks, we had good week, uh, good news. I'm sorry, we had good news, and yeah. it wasn't until about six months later, I crashed. Yeah. So everybody's story is is different. Absolutely. Um, and and so it is important to and it's important to realize that it is a trauma, like a trauma. There's capital T trauma, which is you know, you know, there's a lot of different capital T traumas, but trauma by definition is any time that we feel unsafe. Okay. So when a- world becomes ungrounded or the world that we knew it in a certain way changes there's a traumatic effect to that and this is where it requires us to get really gentle with ourselves to get the support that we need whether it's having a coffee with a friend and talking about your real emotions and having a good cry if you're frustrated or you know or angry or whatever it might be um, or actually getting professional help around it. There's no shame around it. You, it's an incredible role to take on to take care of another person. Did you find after your dad's stroke that you then recognised you had a, uh, an interest in this or were you already working in this I, line I, of work? I think it was a combination of things. No, I wasn't actually. I was, I was working in corporate actually and I think there was a couple of things. I wanted more meaning in my life um and I think that a, a, there was a series of events but that certainly was a big part of it where I realized that there's such a need for us to get human around um hard topics and so that yeah so I went on and, and went on to study human behavior and did three years of study in that field and then have worked in a whole bunch of different areas for the last 15 years and um, it's just a passion of mine. It's just endless. And, you know, where I started, though, when I was actually a student was working in aged care and working with with people going through the transition of putting people into aged care, um, working in dementia, working in family dynamics, because it's really common that there's conflict sometimes in families have got different ideas about how to care for somebody. So how do you handle that topic? So it was really gritty stuff and it was really powerful stuff. And it sort of really has always been a passion, I think, is that, you know, how do we deal with this? Because there's just not the resources around it. And it's not topics people generally talk about. It's normally like, here's the practical care. Here's what needs to happen. This is the medication they need to have, or this is the time of day things need to happen. But very rarely is it, how are you? How are you going? You know, and you can see it just even often even asking that question. Or even if you know people that are carers, like ask them, ask them how they're doing and give them the space to actually feel whatever they're feeling because it's a it's it's one of the most intense emotional challenges I think you can go through. And it's a marathon, it's not a sprint Mm. in a lot of cases where it's Mm. endless and it's day after day after day after day. And um, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's it's a very important issue in terms of getting through the, getting through your life and 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 not burning out. Do you think there are many people out there who have a beautiful, compassionate heart, 
and have a yes. vision of being the caregiver, whether it's as a, as a, their, their, their job, yeah. uh, whether they study and go into that as a profession or whether they are choosing to look after a loved one, perhaps an aging parent, or maybe the need is there for somebody in their family with a disability, whether that's a child or a sibling. Do you think people go in with rose-coloured glasses generally or a lot of fear or what have you experienced when people are stepping into this season of their life? I, I think it's different in every case. I think it, honestly, I think it also depends on how you've lived your life beforehand. Okay. So if you've kind of had the, the relationships where you talk about what you're feeling, the transition can be a little bit easier. But if it's sort of a relationship where you, I guess you haven't gone deeper with each other and you're thrown into this space where you're caregiving and there's a lot of unresolved stuff there, that's all going to surface. It's, yes. it's absolutely going to surface. And so that can be really hard. And particularly with things like dementia, that can be really challenging for families because if, if the, if the, people around the person with dementia have got unresolved stuff with them. They often feel an extra layer of grief, not just of missing the person and how they were, but that they're not going to get the opportunity to deal with maybe hurts or frustrations or resentments or, you know, or even, even connecting in a loving way, even where they feel that, I don't know, let's say that mum or dad doesn't recognise you anymore. You know, there's, a, there's the practical care of that person and you're going and you're seeing this body that looks exactly the same as the one you've known your entire life and there's a heartbreak of, of the reality of where they are. But there are ways to connect into that as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about that in another maybe Absolutely. a specialised one because there's some really great things that oh. you can do to have that, still have that sense of connection yes. um, despite the change in reality that goes on there. No, so I think it's individual for everybody is to, yeah. Okay. Yes. I've noticed that, you know, everything from even Harvard is now offering coaching courses. And so life coaching I've heard about for years and yeah. probably rolled my eyes a little bit of it, about it until I ended up doing study. And this is how yeah. Amanda and I had met is um, she was a part of training me within life coaching. And I, I began to understand the importance of that role in asking people questions and really allowing them to, to search and dig deeper. Mm -hmm. Do you think, do you think coaching people through these transitions is an important thing? And what does that look like? What does that even mean? Yep, I absolutely do. And, and, you know, I was a bit the same, to be honest with you. When I studied coaching, I looked at all the different modalities. I looked at psychology and I looked at psychotherapy and, and I think they've all got a place. Absolutely. But the thing that I loved about coaching was it was very much dealing with what is and what you want to create. Right. So it's it's getting really clear around that. Well, this I guess there's kind of two sides to it from my perspective. One is that there's emotional states that you want to feel. So how do you generate more of those in your day? Even if they're micro moments, if your life is taken up with caregiving and all of that sort of stuff, you can still create pockets of the things that you want to feel. Right. And then there's the emotions that, none of us want to feel it's never fun for anybody it's uncomfortable or you know we have resistance to so it's not it's about how do we turn around and face those and develop a 
resilience, but not a resilience of bypassing the emotion, a resilience of dealing with what we're feeling and acceptance of what we're feeling on both ends. And I think that's when we start to feel like we're empowered in a situation. If you're thrown into caregiving or you're in a caregiving role, it's really accepting what the circumstances are around it. But the only thing you've got total control over is this, drive this. So how can you get to a space where you're accepting the circumstances that you're in and able to create joy in it and deal with the hard stuff when it comes up and be true to yourself and not get in an emotional storm yes. of, of mess around it. And um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's great. And I think the, the quicker you deal with stuff, the quicker you move through it. So yeah. sometimes getting, I mean, I, I know for me, when I get stuck, I often say to people that coaching is like, having a friend that tells there's parsley in your teeth. And that's what a coach, because you can't see it. You can't see yourself without a mirror. So that's the job of a coach is to be that sacred space where you can say the things that you probably can't say somewhere else. And I think the more that you do that, it's kind of emotional hygiene. The more you clean as you go, the less it bottles up and then you snap and you get frustrated and angry and all of those sorts of things in an unresourceful way. It's a very practical way of, of receiving support. Yeah, absolutely. As you said earlier, like it, 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 it's relentless, like it's not going to stop, you know, it's day after day after day after day. Yeah. So having um, structures in place and routines mm. and habits and support in place. Yeah to keep you healthy is is vital absolutely definitely and I know for me now I mean once there used to be so much shame around any kind of therapy like you went if you were perceived as broken you know like you, you waited until you know you're almost on an emotional breakdown yeah. before you did anything about it whereas right. you know the, the best way to deal with it is is the earlier you get it it's like anything it's like a physical sickness if you have if you had an infection in your leg and you leave it and leave it and leave it, you're going to lose your leg. Whereas if you notice it early on and you can go, okay, we can deal with it. Yeah. So it's it's very much the same. And I know for myself in the coaching community, I mean, you know this because you're part of the community as well, is, you know, we, we use each other all the time. Hey, what am I doing here? I'm not seeing, like, I'm feeling all this stuff and I'm not reacting in the way I want to react and can you can you help me out? And And it's quick then. It's a, it's a half hour conversation rather than three months of build up and pushing it away. And so true. So I'd love, I'd love to see everybody that's working in care, get support, get emotional support and have that there. Absolutely. What do you think are some of the emotions people are surprised are very normal when they might be feeling it's not so normal, Amanda? I, I think, um, I think grief is a big one because often the person's still living, but you're actually grieving the relationship that was or how it was before in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. If somebody, it, 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 I suppose if you're, how you would like it to be in some situations as well, I think, yeah, I think grief is a massive one. Mm -hmm. I think sadness and anger are really, really common and they're actually tied together. Anger's just a protector that sits over sadness when we don't give ourselves permission to feel what we're feeling okay. and will come up and that's a bit of a I guess all emotions are guides so when anger is present it's really asking for space you think about if you get angry at somebody you're sort of saying back off mm. and it's that's really a call for you to be with you and whatever it is that you're going through so when you learn how to 
emotionally regulate and not just pretend everything's okay, but you actually get to go, I'm really angry. What's the sadness going on underneath there? Because the reality is when you're in it, you're in survival mode, you're doing what you need to do. I, I suppose that's where it gets really, how, when? Yeah. What does this look like? How do I deal with this? But just to know, one, this is normal. Totally normal. So normal. So one of the great privileges of being a coach is that you actually get to see how normal what everybody's feeling is. The problem is we don't talk about it enough. So the person over here is pretending they're okay and the person over here is pretending they're okay and then they're looking at each other saying, well, she's doing fine and she's doing fine. And I guess as a coach you get to see that, no, 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 no. Like everybody goes through this in different ways. So, yeah, I do think sadness, anger, grief. I also think shame and guilt are huge ones. Sure. Where often we feel in the roles that we're in, so again, using the example as a parent, mm -hmm. where you've got a parent that's sick, for example, and then you're going into the caretaking role, you can feel resentment and you can feel guilty that you feel that way. I should, we do the should. I mean, you and I talk about this too, like take should, would and could out of your vocabulary because it's shaming, it's self-shaming. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is to give yourself permission to feel whatever it is you're feeling because there's, there's gold underneath it. It's a very actually unnatural experience to be 24 hours in care of a person. I mean, you do it if you raise kids for the first few years, which every parent will tell you is incredibly intense. Yeah. But, you know, to then go into that as a, as a, as a carer, it's, you know, it's, it's a very intense situation to, to, to confront. And we are seeing now a generation that we talk about, the sandwich generation, um, usually around our age group who might be having the parents to look after and the children to look after. Yeah. That's something that's coming up. And the other thing, when you mentioned grief, my first thought was actually for parents of children with disabilities or if somebody's oh, had a, a, a trauma and a, an accident that has altered their their existence, Yeah, um, I can imagine the, the grief over even those things that were dreamed of and hoped for that now will never be the way oh. they anticipated. That's huge yeah. grief. Yep. And, and, and often, like we talked about before, where you hit the ground running with something yeah. and, you know, this stuff stays under the surface until it reaches a boiling point or a point where you can't stuff it down any longer and that's when you'll get behaviours where people start to then self-shame on top of it and go, why did I do that? Or I just snapped at someone or I'm, you know, fighting with my partner or whatever. It shows up in a myriad of different ways, but it's really important to be gentle with yourself and to be kind with yourself around the enormity of what these situations really are about. Okay, boil it down for us here. Where do we start if somebody is watching and going, I'm in that space, I'm in the overwhelm, you don't understand, and, mm -hmm. and we don't, unless we're in your shoes, we don't understand, but... Mm -hmm. What can, we, what can we step aside from and go, all right, looking at this, um, logically is not the right, right word. Um, what's the word I'm thinking? Practically. Practically, yes. Yeah. So I, I think there's, there's a number of different ways that you can do it. It depends um, on space. I think, you, I think you've got to carve out time, I think, for yourself. And that's important because the reality is if your tank's empty, no one's going to get much of anything. So whether that, whatever your flavour is, like I'm not a big fan of here's the 10-point plan. Yeah. It's really about coming back to connection with yourself. If it's going for a walk 
by yourself to just have some space to breathe. Breathing is very important, obviously, but getting that, um, getting your nervous system relaxed, right. taking a bath, doing meditation if that's your flavour, grabbing a yoga class, but making sure that it becomes a priority, not not something that is the last thing on the list. It should be on the first, the first thing on the list. And then right. your basics of, you know, water, nutrition, good sleep. Yes. It's really, really important. And if those things are blocked in some way, then get the help. Reach out. If you need help to locate people that can help you in your city, then contact us. You know, we, we will help point you in the right direction to get the support that you need around it. But I think it's really knowing that self-care is got to be the first priority. And most, most, most of us have learned to abandon self, to care for everybody else, and that makes a good person. Yeah. And so we have to relearn that. And we can feel guilty if we've got roles, we've got kids, and like you say, in the sandwich situation where you've got a family that you're looking after and you've got loved ones that you're looking after and you're torn between it, it can feel selfish carving out an hour for yourself and doing something that's really good for you getting a massage I mean it's amazing how we see these things as luxuries whereas it's actually you it's actually really healthy to do that and so I I think it's it's really owning that you need it and you might have to retrain some of the people around you because we teach people how how to treat us and if we've put ourselves last all the way through, there might be a bit of a transition where people start to understand that there's there's got to be space for you as well. And in any relating, not just in caregiving, in any relating, your relationship with yourself has to be, is equally important. Anytime you're not in equally important with somebody else, you're putting another relationship ahead of yours, of yourself, then you're in martyrdom. So it's really important that, you, you what you're giving out you're giving to you as well yes and it also I mean for parents for anyone out there that's a parent and has got children and are, are worried that their kids are going without that it's really important that they see too life doesn't work that way you don't turn up in life when you're older and it revolves around you it's good for kids to see parents self-caring very true really good very true um, and learning that, yes, you get, you'll be loved and you'll be supported and all of that, but equally, this is what a self-responsible adult looks like. So mm -hmm. the kids will be fine if you go and do something for yourself for an hour a day or, you know, take care of yourself along the way. But really, really, really fundamentally important. I mean, we hear this often too. We get people all the time telling us they're burnt out, they're frustrated, they've got, you know, it feels endless and so I think yeah having that space is is really really important look Amanda I think we are going to have so many conversations ahead of us yeah. that that's a great starting point today um yeah. I love that the, I think what you said it's not about like a 10 step you know these are the tips 10 steps to look after yourself but you mentioned the building blocks you mentioned those things that really need to be foundational yeah um, yeah, I think that's really what I've just taken out of today. It's all it's always coming back to that. I mean, I do that with myself. Yes. I'm always checking in. How am I eating? How am I sleeping? Yes. Am I remember when I get busy, you forget. It's Absolutely. just normal. But your brain can only sort of process so much. Uh, hydration definitely and nutrition and those and, and exercise and, and movement. It doesn't have to be, you know, I'm gonna 
I don't know, run 10 miles every day. It's, you know, I'm going to go for a quick 15 minute walk and get some sunshine and some vitamin D and absolutely connect to nature or whatever it is that your flavor is. That's, that's what I think is important. Something that brings you peace and some stillness. Thank you so much for your time, Amanda. Oh my gosh. It was so great to chat and please reach out if you need us. We're here. Absolutely. All All right. See ya. Bye.